Chapter Nineteen of *The Widow Married*, a sequel to *The Widow Barnaby* by Francis Milton Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Nineteen: The O'Donagough family travel back to London and are snugly lodged. A judicious exhortation. Patty turns musical and meets with an adventure. Another six weeks completed the period for which Mr. O'Donagough considered it advisable to remain at Brighton, and due notice was given to his lady and daughter that they were to pack up their faded finery and be ready for starting. The O'Donagough policy, as to the most advantageous mode of performing a journey, had not undergone any alteration since their arrival, and therefore exactly the same process was gone through to restore them to the metropolis as that which had brought them from it having chosen rather a late coach they reached the renowned white bear in very proper time for dinner but mr o'donagough for reasons of his own preferred ordering luncheon after which he once more set out in quest of a home for himself and his family his absence on this occasion was very short for it being the latter end of october lodgings were not difficult to find and in less time than it would have taken most people to think about it he had packed himself his lady his daughter and all their baggage into a hackney-coach you must neither grunt nor grumble turn sulky nor look cross said mr o'donagough as soon as the vehicle drove off if you don't happen to like the lodgings i have got for you they are cheap and that's the reason i take them i don't intend that you should either see or be seen much for the next two months or so and i desire that you will make up your minds to it at once what does he say mamma inquired the terrified patty turning to her mother for what with the wheels and the steps and the windows she had heard this speech but very imperfectly what does papa say about our not being seen hold your tongue patty being the only answer she received the young lady turned to the window let down the glass and for the next five minutes found great consolation from meditating on the impossibility of not being seen if she lived in a place where such throngs filled the streets as were then jostling each other before her eyes at the end of that time the equipage stopped at the door of a small private house in one of the narrow streets that steal away and hide themselves right and left of the splendours of regent street the aspect of the dwelling was not very inviting from without nor was the prospect greatly improved when the door opened and displayed its size colour and various other properties within but mrs o'donagough entered and neither grunted nor grumbled turned sulky nor looked cross her whole manner and appearance indicated the triumph of reflection over impulse and of wisdom over weakness she quietly followed the dirty little maid who opened for her the front parlour door and permitted her eye to take a catalogue of all it contained without suffering her tongue to utter a syllable of commentary thereon not so miss patty the contrast between this dwelling and that she had left at brighton was too much for her strength and she exclaimed in no whispered accents mercy upon us mamma you don't mean that we should live here fortunately mr o'donagough was at that moment wholly occupied in assisting the coachmen to drag their trunks and boxes into the narrow passage which they so completely filled that he was induced to offer the man an additional sixpence upon condition of his giving him a hand to get them upstairs to their sleeping apartments at once a promptitude of arrangement which was rendered expedient from the total impossibility that any animal more bulky than the dirty little maid should get in or out of the house without climbing over them the interval thus occupied gave mrs o'donagough an opportunity of bestowing a few words of very excellent advice upon her daughter my dear patty said she there is no doubt in the world that this is the very horridest den that ever man brought a wife and daughter to and i too with such relations as i have 
but you see how i bear it and take my word for it there is no good in contradicting him just at this time i am quite sure he has got something or other working in his head that makes it convenient i don't mean to say but what if he would trust the whole management of everything to me i might have contrived to do all he wants done and kept something like comfort about us besides but men will be men patty all the world over worse luck to all this patty made no other reply than a grunt the evening passed as such evenings generally do a family group placed in lodgings of which females greatly disapprove but which being chosen by the male must be endured seldom manifest any striking symptoms of hilarity fortunately however patty was very sleepy and fortunately too perhaps mrs o'donagough remembered that she had more than one box to open before all the nightcaps could be found so it did not last long and before ten o'clock the eyes of the whole party were closed in sleep as sound as the circumstances of their location were likely to permit poor patty's boasted beauty did not show to advantage the next morning and to do mr allen o'donagough justice it must be confessed that he looked at her with some concern but as his wife had very correctly observed he had something working in his head which rendered their remaining in obscurity for a month or two exceedingly convenient and therefore being a man of considerable firmness of purpose he had not the slightest intention of altering his plans though he perceived that one of the bright eyes he so much admired was almost hid by the swelling which distressed her cheek and the other as dull dim and heavy as if the light which usually blazed within it had been suddenly put out but notwithstanding the steadiness with which he retained his resolution of keeping the ladies of his family in this perfect retirement he yet felt good-humouredly disposed to support the young lady's spirits under it if he could and therefore while her mother was engaged in the rooms above he drew a chair towards the recess beside the fireplace where in a slippery tall horsehair armchair poor patty sat ensconced and thus addressed her you don't like this so well as our gay lodgings at brighton do you darling what do you ask that for papa replied the young lady i should think you might guess without my telling you and so i can patty but you can't guess i'll bet a guinea you can't what's going to happen to you next the telling such a young lady as patty that something is going to happen to her almost invariably suggests the idea she is about to be married and so it was in the present case the swelling on her cheek did not for alas it could not disappear in a moment but all other obscurations of her beauty vanished as she exclaimed good gracious papa what can you mean what have you got in your head now patty replied her father laughing you don't think i'm going to give you a husband do you how should i know returned the pouting patty no my darling it is not that yet said he assuming a more serious air i wouldn't for more than i'll say that my girl should be mated before she has got her best feathers on you shall be something and somebody i can tell you before i have done but then you must let me manage matters my own way my dear i have had great misfortunes in my time patty or i might have been as rich and as grand as mr stephenson and that was the reason why i went over to such a cheap and prosperous country as australia but things are going better with me now again and if you'll be a good girl and wait patiently without any expense till the proper season for gaiety begins you shall see what i will do for you and it is not giving up much either for there is not a single soul in london now my goodness papa how you do talk replied the indignant patty more affected by this last statement than by anything which had preceded it why twas a perfect crowd that we drove through last night and if you would but take lodgings in some street where i could look out of the window and see the people i should not care for anything almost you are too humble-minded by half my darling 
replied mr o'donagough checking her under the chin you shan't only look at the people but all the people shall look at you if you'll let me have my way without grumbling the people you saw last night patty were nothing but a parcel of clerks and milliners girls who have no longer anything to do in their shops because all the fine folks are out of town i don't care what they are replied his daughter with great animation i am sure they were as handsome and elegant-looking as possible and at any rate it must be better to see them than that nasty old dustman there with his horrid bell patty said her father gravely you are not half so quick and clever as i fancied you were i thought i had made you understand how being careful and saving at one time could enable one to be grand and gay at another but you talk now like a mere child and if you go on so i must treat you as such i suppose you really are not old enough yet to comprehend the advantage of this sort of management yes but i am though replied patty tartly and i'll be bound for it if you would tell me just once for all what you will give us to spend in a year i'd manage to show off with it quite as well as you and never set us down in such a nasty dark dull place as this neither just for all patty won't do for me there is no need to enter with you into any long explanation concerning my affairs girls can't possibly understand the subject nor women either for that matter because they are never brought up to it so i hope neither your mother nor you will torment me with any questions but be contented with what you can get and thankful that you belong to a man who never leaves a stone unturned if he thinks he can find money under it but i suppose i may walk out sir said the little pleased patty almost blubbering yes you may walk but i should very strongly recommend you both not to show yourselves now pranked out just as i hope you will appear when i am receiving lords and baronets at my house you will do yourselves a monstrous deal of harm by it i can tell you but i believe it is easier to stop the wind from blowing than a woman's ribbons from flapping at this moment mrs o'donagough entered the room and instantly perceiving from the countenance of the young lady that something was wrong she ventured to say in an accent which did not manifest any decided determination to take part with either what's the matter now i have only been giving miss patty a hint or two as to the patient endurance of a cheap lodging till i see right and fit to put her into a dear one said mr o'donagough you had better leave her to me donny replied his lady whatever i tell her is right that she will do that's more than i'll promise unless i happen to like it said patty recovering her vivacity and giving so saucy a wink with the eyelid still under her command as to throw her father into an ecstasy of laughter come come that's all right again if my beauty does not get into the sulks we shall get through the next two or three months in no time and then you shall blaze away both of you as you never blazed before said mr o'donagough adding in a rather mysterious tone you have no notion yet either of you what i have got in my head to do for your pleasure and profit but if i hear any grumbling it will spoil all mind that if you trouble me now or ever with questions observe i speak to both of you alike if you trouble me now or ever with any questions whatever about my goings-on or what i mean to do or what i mean not to do by jove i'll take myself off you are able to get at your own money now my barnaby he continued in an accent of perfect good-humour as well as before you married me and i give you credit for your cleverness but one advantage of this is you know that you can do without me now don't fancy either of you that i am angry or want to get rid of you for i don't quite the contrary if things go as i wish my wife and daughter will count for something so come and kiss me patty and remember that the better you behave the smarter you shall be when the fine folks come to town again 
it would have been difficult for mr o'donagough or any gentleman under similar circumstances to have pronounced an harangue more calculated to obtain the objects he desired had he scolded they would probably have scolded again had he blustered they might have rebelled but promises threats and mystery together formed a chain most admirably calculated to lead ladies captive and even before any opportunity had been given for them to consult together both mother and daughter had respectively made up their minds to behave well i think i will sit down at once to my satin stitch patty said mrs o'donagough it's always wrong to waste time that cloak will be perfectly magnificent if ever i live to finish it and it is likely enough that it may be useful to you or to me one of these days and if i was you darling i'd set about turning that pretty green silk dress that the sea faded so abominably it will look as good as new patty if you do the job nicely yes i will replied patty almost meekly and dutifully turning her steps towards the door to seek the employment suggested but before she opened it she ventured to turn her head and say do you think mamma we shall be able to get any novels to read upon my word my dear i don't know was mrs o'donagough's discreet reply glancing at the same time a look of civil inquiry towards her husband novels to be sure you may lots replied mr o'donagough gaily i'm going out and if you'll sit down to your needles i'll find out the nearest circulating library for you and subscribe for three months and will you bring back something papa said patty yawning as she turned her eyes towards the one window which though it commanded an uninterrupted view of the window opposite had little else to recommend it i will if i can but you must not expect me directly i have too much to do to turn errand boy just now my beauty you and your mother can stitch together for an hour or two i know without coming to the end of your talk why you have got to hash up all that happened at brighton and when that's done and over you may begin upon what you shall do and what you shall say and what you shall put on some three months hence when you will be living in style and state again replied mr o'donagough patty shrugged her shoulders but left the room without a word strong evidence that his judicious eloquence had not been thrown away upon her when she returned to it with thimble needles cotton box and scissors in one hand and a huge mass of miscellaneous trumpery in the other she found her mamma alone and already deeply occupied by the magnificent cloak pray do you intend to bear this mamma said patty as soon as she had drawn toward the only movable table in the room and placed it near the window do you really intend to go on bearing this quietly bear it how am i to help bearing it replied mrs o'donagough sharply as if you did not know girl that i have no more power to help myself than this needle has where i choose to push it there it must go and where he chooses to put us there we must stay and if you know any cure for it i hope you will tell me that's all ain't these leaves perfect patty i am sure i shall hang myself if it is to last for three months rejoined her daughter without indicating the least emotion at sight of the perfect satin stitch mind i give you fair warning mother i shall either hang myself or run away and pray miss patty why do you not tell your papa so instead of trying to bother me worse than i am bothered already demanded mrs o'donagough why just because you are the gentleman's wife ma'am and ought to be able to manage him to be sure replied patty but do you think if i was to fall sick it might do any good she added very gravely no my dear not the least in the world replied her mother he's tiresome enough and tyrant enough too sometimes 
but to give him his due i don't believe that what he is doing now is for the sake of teasing us i am sure he means to blaze away as he says by and by in fine style and i don't know but he's right patty after all for i'd rather ten times over live hugger-mugger fashion as we are now if it's only to last for a time and then show off afterwards than go on on for ever the same just decent and respectable and never making people wonder or admire from first to last ay ay mamma that's all very true and i understand it just as well as you do but you'll please to remember that i'm in my teens and that what's mighty easy to you is just like death and distraction to me mercy upon me only fancy me staying on for three months at one go in a dark linen frock and without a man young or old tall or short handsome or ugly to look at me i know i can't bear it i know i shall be after some prank or other to help myself i wish you would mind what you are about patty and not talk so wild replied mrs o'donagough who with the increasing wisdom of advancing age was able to pursue her work tranquilly even though she too was in a dark linen dress and conscious that under her present circumstances she could look neither like the beauty she had been nor the woman of fashion she was i wish patty said she that you would be more steady at your work remember my dear that you are growing taller and stouter every day and if you don't mind you'll notch these turnings in so in the unpicking that you'll never be able to make the frock up again big enough to get into do mind what you are about i'll tell you what ma'am replied the lively girl if you take to scolding i'm off i'll be hanged if i won't walk up and down the street before the door if you make this little pigsty too hot to hold me and so saying she pushed her work from her and throwing up the dusty sash thrust out her head to reconnoitre the promenade to which she threatened to betake herself my goodness she exclaimed drawing it back again after taking a melancholy survey up the street and down the street what a nasty hideous hole we are got into the air smells of nothing but dust and there isn't a soul to be seen except an old man driving a cabbage cart and two dogs drawing a barrow with dirty rags and old bottles in it yet even these objects appeared to have more attraction for the weary patty than the operation of dress-turning for again she thrust forward her head and remained for some minutes without changing her attitude at length she drew back a step while such a blush suffused her fair and ample cheeks as might have convinced her mamma had she chanced to look up that something besides the cabbage-cart and the wheelbarrow had met her eye at the same moment a short sharp knock at the door was keenly audible through the open window that's your father come back i suppose said mrs o'donagough no it isn't replied patty did you see who it was then demanded her mother i saw it was a man and not a bit like papa responded the young lady in a whisper and at the same moment she went to the parlour door and partially opened it so as to permit her peeping out without herself being seen he must be the first-floor lodger for he came in and went straight upstairs without saying a word said patty retreating from the door with her face in a blaze and pretty well he squinted at our door as he passed but i'm sure he saw nothing of me but my nose i suppose he saw you through the window miss said her mamma but you mustn't stare out into the street that way in london i can tell you that's because the street is so monstrous gay i suppose replied her daughter hadn't you better put me on blinkers mamma come come patty shut down the window and settle quietly to your work or upon my life and honour i'll tell your father what a plague you are said mrs o'donagough and much good you'll get by that won't you mamma replied patty 
however i'll settle down presently if you won't make a fuss but i must go upstairs first for i have forgot something and so saying she ran out of the room without waiting for a reply the heiress of mr o'donagough was no great songstress but for some reason or other she took it into her head to be musical as she walked deliberately up the stairs singing cherry ripe very distinctly if not very skilfully and the consequence was that just as she reached the first-floor landing the door of the front room opened and a tall olive-coloured man with enormous black eyes and a prodigious quantity of hair to match became visible at it patty started ceased her song somewhat hastened her step and passed on but not so rapidly as to be unconscious of her fellow-lodger's politeness for he bowed profoundly and looked at her with his widely opened great eyes as if he admired her very much on reaching her own apartment which was the back room of the second floor she seated herself with some degree of agitation on her trunk lord how i wish matilda perkins was here murmured patty as soon as she had in some degree recovered her breath and her composure i'll bet a guinea she'd make a good guess in a minute as to what sort of chap that is what eyes he's as dark as an indian but he's monstrous handsome for all that and i'm sure he's a gentleman from his bowing so beautifully this soliloquy was thought not spoken and it was silently that patty sat revolving in her altered soul the possibility of amusing herself even there if she could but get at her dear friend to help her after a few moments thus spent she arose determined to attack her mother and her father too firmly and with proper spirit on the absolute necessity of her having somebody to speak to and the atrocity of which they would be guilty if they would not give her leave to set off that very day for bellevue terrace brompton in search of her friend matilda in pursuance of this resolution she re-entered the parlour with a slow and steady step which had something grave and determined in it she seated herself silently at the table resumed her work and for some minutes remained opening seams and picking out threads so demurely that her mother though at that moment particularly engaged in newly adjusting her pattern looked up to see what she was about but perceiving her serious air only said there's a good girl just keep on in that way till dinner-time and the worst part of your job will be over mamma said patty solemnly i am not thinking of my job and why not for goodness sake i'm sure you can think of nothing better patty how beautiful the colour is where the sun hasn't come you'll have a lovely frock again if you will only take a little pains it is no good to talk to me of frocks and colours said patty in a voice of sedate melancholy while you are making me as miserable as you do now i am quite sure i shall do some mischief to myself if you and papa persevere to keep me on this way without a single soul to speak to i tell you fairly mamma i can't bear it and i won't what do you expect to get by flying at me patty said mrs o'donagough with considerable symptoms of irritation it is no good putting yourself in a passion mamma replied patty with very impressive quietness i am sure i am in no passion myself what i feel has nothing to do with temper or anything of the kind i have been thinking very seriously about it everybody must know themselves better than anybody else can know them and i feel quite sure that i shall not live or at any rate that i shall go out of my senses if papa goes on with me in this way i dare say there are many people who could do it better than i can and i am sure i wish that i was like them for papa's sake and for yours for i don't want to vex either of you but i am as nature made me you know and i can't help it good gracious patty how grave and solemn you do talk 
cried mrs o'donagough looking up at her with all the surprise and some of the alarm which the young lady had intended to produce what on earth would you have me do my dear i would wish to be as watchful over you as ever mother was i never did think of myself at any time of my life everybody that ever knew me would do me the justice to say that and it is hardly likely that i should be less generous and devoted to my own daughter than to other people but i no more know how to get you out of this place before your father chooses to take you than i know how to turn copper into gold it is not altogether the place that i hate so much mamma replied patty i dare say i should have sense enough to get the better of that but it is the being so dreadful dull and solitary without a single friend in the world to speak to i should be perfectly contented if you would only let me go and see matilda perkins i am sure my dear patty i should have no objection if it depended only upon me though i can't say but what i should feel a little small at being seen in such a place as this by people who have met general hubert at my house however i could easily make up my mind to bear that for your sake my dear and i can't but say it would be a comfort and some sort of relief too for me to have that good creature louisa to speak to now and then especially if your father would let me tell her that we were going to be dashing again by and by but how can i tell what he may say to it patty all i can do is to promise i'll be no spoke in your wheel and if he chooses to ask my opinion i'll take care it shall go the right way i'm not going to ask you mamma responded patty with a deep sigh i have made up my mind to speak to papa myself and i know perfectly well what i shall say to him but i suppose it will be hours before he comes back i wish you would put up your work just for a few minutes mamma and take a turn with me up and down the street i'm sure i don't care about going any further i only want a little air don't you think it is very close here yes i do indeed and when i think of poor dear brighton i positively feel half choked i really think a little walk will do us both good and mrs o'donagough began to roll up her work very well then cried patty briskly i'll run up and put my things on and this time as she mounted the stairs she sang the merrier roundelay of i won't be a nun i can't be a nun i am so fond of pleasure that i must not be a nun again a manly step was heard to traverse the little drawing-room again the door opened and once more the olive-coloured stranger appeared at it respectfully bowing as before when he beheld the young lady passing before it on perceiving this patty felt convinced that in common civility she was bound to return the salutation and she did so by smiling blushing shaking her curls and bowing her head a quarter of this abounding gratitude would have sufficed to assure the spanish language master for such he was that not alone the bright valleys of his own sunny land were peopled by dark-browed and very benignant young ladies but that even the chilling blasts of the norse could not prevent the effect of a wandering hidalgo's eyes if he did but know how to use them having gained her apartment patty placed herself before the glass and laughed at her own blushing image there as she recollected the looks of profound respect and admiration which it had just called forth she waited not to consult her mamma as to which of her three bonnets she had best put on lest her father's doctrine respecting the eligibility of occasionally adopting the obscure incognito style should be pleaded in mitigation of feathers and flowers and long before mrs o'donagough's majestic person had reached the altitude at which she herself stood patty was already decked in what she considered as her most becoming finery good gracious my dear how smart you are 
i had no notion you meant to put on your best bonnet i am sure if your father sees us we shall catch it you know what his notions are about that matter patty said the dutiful wife and watchful mother i don't care a straw what his notions are mamma replied her daughter when i have got a good thing i shall wear it whenever i think fit you don't suppose that papa intends to make such a bessie dingle of himself as to tell us every morning what clothes we are to put on before night do you my goodness patty how you do chop and change about exclaimed mrs o'donagough have i not heard you tell him over and over that you admired his plan of being shabby and saving when we were out of sight well and so i do answered patty colouring a little but in london one can never be sure that one is quite out of sight you know not aware how special an observation this was mrs o'donagough permitted it to produce considerable effect for she laid aside a shabby old shawl in which she was about to envelop herself and substituted one of scarlet which had been purchased expressly for the brighton campaign and now being fully equipped they set off patty descending the stairs not only without singing but without suffering the patter of her feet to be as audible as usual nevertheless the olive-tinted stranger who seemed to be the most watchful and attentive of language-masters heard enough to bring him to his door and somewhat to the young lady's dismay his dark visage and enormous eyes appeared exactly at the moment when mrs o'donagough was passing it it seemed that the encountering an old lady instead of a young one was more than the gentleman's nerves could stand for he instantly stepped back and closed the door there is some truth in what you say patty about london one never can tell who may be there and who may not i am monstrous glad i have got my scarlet shawl on were the words uttered by mrs o'donagough as she descended to the street door but they did not at all reach the ear of her daughter and the gentle damsel nestled to the side of her parent as they commenced their walk eager to hear the observations which the apparition of the sable head might give rise to he must be an african or a chinese patty or something of that distant kind i should guess resumed mrs o'donagough as they walked on yet i can't for my life help thinking that he is monstrous handsome though he is so near being a blackamoor did you get a peep at him at who mamma said patty innocently at the lodger on the first floor my dear didn't you see the door open as we came down i suppose it was while i was running upstairs for my pocket-handkerchief replied patty well then you must contrive to see him some day or other child for it is the most remarkable face i ever beheld i should not wonder to hear anybody say that he was horridly frightful and yet for the life of me i can't help thinking him monstrously handsome i am sure mamma should like to see him of all things replied her daughter but i don't know how i can't walk into his room you know laura mercy no returned the mother with great animation i beg and desire patty that you won't speak in any such flighty way about him i am quite certain he is not the sort of person for any nonsense of that kind if he lodges in the house you will be sure to see him sooner or later i dare say without playing any mad pranks to contrive it patty received this rebuke in silence and walked on it had been her intention when inviting her mamma to take the air to cross the street and parade up and down leisurely on the other side of it thereby giving an opportunity to the first-floor gentleman to see them out of the window if he liked it but she was too sensible a girl to persevere in this project now and they languidly pursued their way to regent street first streaming along to the top of it and then down again nothing could be a greater proof that the mind of the fair patty was preoccupied than the indifference with which she gazed into the shop windows 
but with her mother it was otherwise notwithstanding the stifling heat and dust of a fine october day in london mrs o'donagough's energies all returned as she contemplated the glories faded and waning as they were which every step presented to her view oh patty she exclaimed at length what are you thinking of did you ever in all your days see anything so heavenly beautiful as these shops just look at those coloured muslins how they do make one long don't they to be sure they do replied patty roused at last and throwing as it were all her recovered soul through the plate-glass barrier that separated her from the objects in question but it makes one sick and miserable to look at them without a single sixpence in one's pocket i declare i'd rather be dead than going on as i am now this melancholy reflection and her own pathetic expression of it recalled to the memory of the fair mourner the necessity of managing ably her projected attack upon the heart of her father and no sooner did she think of this than the injury which her gay dress might produce should they chance to meet him struck her forcibly let us go home now mamma said she in a tone of great depression and fatigue upon my word i am so tired i can hardly stand mrs o'donagough could willingly have walked and gazed a while longer but she yielded to this urgent entreaty and they returned in time for patty to prepare herself for the reception of her papa there was considerable cleverness displayed in her manner of doing this she knew she could not turn pale and she was very sorry for it but all she could do she did she pushed back her redundant locks behind her ears and made them hang as disconsolately as their nature would permit she practised before the glass a sort of heavy heart-broken look dressed herself in a dirty faded suit and then crept downstairs so quietly as to escape the keen ears of the spaniard whom she by no means wished to encounter in such a trim having placed herself in an attitude of great weariness and dejection she awaited her father's return in such pertinacious stillness that she very nearly fell asleep but he entered at a favourable moment real heaviness assisting that which was assumed and giving her the appearance of being in a very deplorable condition mercy on me patty what's the matter with you exclaimed mr o'donagough i hope he added turning to his wife that she is not going to have the smallpox or measles or anything of that sort have you got a headache my dear yes papa my headache's very bad replied patty in a gentle voice i believe people have always got the headache when they are as miserable as me miserable why what have you been doing to her mrs o d you haven't been scolding and badgering her i hope you know i don't approve of it and i won't have it no dear papa that is not it said patty drawing out her pocket-handkerchief mamma has nothing whatever to do with it but my very heart is broken at thinking that i am in london and can't see the only friend i ever had in the world i should not mind anything if you would only let me go and call upon matilda perkins mr o'donagough threw a glance round the room and then at the personal decorations of his wife and daughter do you really wish patty to let your friends see you in this changed condition said he gravely but without harshness when they saw you last you looked like a duchess and now darling upon my word you look like her housemaid don't you think it would be better to wait till we are up again wait for three months papa without seeing matilda perkins i am sure it will kill me i am certain that i can't bear it and here patty applied her handkerchief to her eyes i wonder any man alive would ever rear a daughter sang mr o'donagough laughing and attempting to withdraw the handkerchief from the bright orbs he so greatly admired 
come patty don't be a fool look up and be a good girl and we'll contrive some way or other about seeing the perkinses but i must not have all my plots and plans spoiled either mind that if you please i am sure i don't want to spoil anything papa replied patty only let me see matilda and i'll tell her anything in the world that you like there's a darling very well patty you shall go with your mother and call upon them to-morrow morning if you will only you must dress yourselves nice and tell them that you came into town entirely to see them for that you are in lodgings at richmond till your london house is ready no no upon second thoughts you had better say that we are staying with friends at richmond or else perhaps they might expect to be invited do you understand patty yes papa perfectly and i shall like all that very much a great deal better than letting them suppose that we are actually living in such a place as this and nothing can be easier you know than telling them exactly whatever you please about it only i shan't at all get the sort of comfort i want if i am only to go once and have no place where i may tell matilda to call upon me in return it is my turn now said mrs o'donagough i have not said a word yet but if you will listen to me both of you i'll engage for it i will manage the business better than either and likely enough too my barnaby gaily replied her husband who for some reason or other had returned in excellent spirits likely enough patty shall beat us both at a plot so say your say mrs o d and let us see how we can contrive to let the beauty have her way without interfering with what i have laid down as firmly as the laws of the medes and persians well then donny i'll tell you what we must say to the perkinses first we'll begin by letting them know that we have been invited to stay with some very elegant friends at richmond and i can put in a word or two about our all enjoying it so very much and then we'll go on to say that there is but one drawback which is the inconvenience of the distance from town just at the time when we have so much to do in preparing a house for the winter and spring and then i can say that dear mr o'donagough is so dreadfully afraid of my being over-fatigued that he has taken a little bit of an out-of-the-way lodging just for us to sleep in whenever it happened that we were too much knocked up by a day's shopping to be able to return to richmond the same night and then you know nothing will be easier at any time than to fix a day for their calling by saying come monday come tuesday for we have made appointments with tradespeople which will oblige us to be in town well done barnaby exclaimed mr o'donagough slapping her on the back and laughing heartily isn't your mother a capital hand patty in that way my dear you may see this dear friend of yours three times in a week if you like it and i should not make the least objection observed mrs o'donagough to her passing a day or two at a time with them if they happened to invite her the change would do her a deal of good dear creature and the perkinses are such perfectly proper people that there could be no reason in the world against it this was an idea that made patty's eyes sparkle again as brightly as before they were rubbed by her pocket-handkerchief and with such a prospect before her and a delicious new novel called the doubtful one to fill up all mental interstices when her own meditations had been sufficiently indulged the day passed away without another sigh or groan being heard from her End of chapter nineteen